This episode is brought to you by the Deeper Christian Life Network. The Deeper Christian Life Network is an online network designed for mentoring and connection among those who want to deepen their spiritual walk. The network includes exclusive masterclasses that you can take at your own pace and much more. The masterclasses are conference messages based on themes and or letters in the New Testament that cannot be accessed anywhere else. The network opens up for registration periodically throughout the year. Go to thedeeperchristianlife.com and check out samples and join the waitlist if you're interested. Hi, I'm Thomas Cross Hoops, and I'm a Seeker of Truth. Welcome to Seeker of Truth podcast, a place to fill the airwaves with stories and testimonies about how God still moves in people's lives today and how faithful Jesus is. And we have a special guest today, Frank Viola. Frank's a conference speaker, blogger, and a best-selling author. He helps serious followers of Jesus know their Lord more deeply so they can experience real transformation and make a lasting impact. Viola's blog, frankviola.org, is regularly ranked in the top five of all Christian blogs on the web, and his podcast, Christ is All, reached number one in Canada and number two in the U.S. on Apple Podcasts. How are you doing, Frank? Hey, I'm well, and I'm happy to be on your show. Ah, it's, a, it's a, honestly, I'm excited to sort of become one of my catchphrases, but I'm just following the Lord and excited to, uh, to have you on. Um, definitely, before we jump in and discuss some, some of the topics from your best-selling book, 48 Laws of Spiritual Power, I wanted to ask you about an article from, um, from earlier on in your writings, Rethinking the Fivefold Ministry, that my father sent me. It was actually the first, um, my introduction to your writings. Mm. And in that article, under, um, you, you talked about the error of titles and offices. Mm-hmm. You explain that the words we've often mistranslated as titles are, are merely functions that members of the body will flow in as the Spirit leads. Um, a little further up in the article, you told a story about how in a, in a setting of a church, the Lord really led you and your team to lay down all your preconceived ideas of what the giftings in fivefold would look like. And as the body pursued the Lord, those giftings naturally emerged where, where needed. And I would just love for you to expand a little bit more on how we as modern-day believers can better understand the function and reason for the fivefold without falling into that trap of making it titles and special positions like they do in businesses. It's really interesting because today, and this has been going on for a long time, people have taken the various functions in the New Testament, whether it's apostle, prophet, evangelist, and used those as honorific titles for themselves and for others. And it's prolific on social media too. Even today, Thomas, I was looking through my Facebook page and you know how Facebook recommends you to add friends? Well, I had this whole list of friends and one person was uh, Katie and her title very clearly on the page was prophetic evangelist. (laughs) And so I just thought, oh my goodness. Another one, apostle. Apostle Tom, no offense to you, but it was was Apostle Tom something else. And then, you know, prophet, prophetess. It's so sad because 
all such people are doing is they're copying what they see others doing. And the whole idea of a title is to get honor. Hey, look at me. I'm this. I'm that. In the New Testament, the term apostle, prophet, evangelist, even shepherd, they were never used as titles. For example, you'll never see in the New Testament the phrase, the apostle Paul. No, it's Paul the Apostle, and he only used that when he was writing to a church, and he was trying to explain to them, in reaction to what was happening by his detractors, he was basically saying, I'm Paul, I'm a sent one from the Lord, and I raised you up <laughs> as an ecclesia. It was not an honorific title. So yeah, we have this propensity to turn these ministries into titles. And it's just tradition. It's human tradition. It's religious tradition. And what's behind it is the desire to be honored and admired. A true apostolic worker is not going to go around calling himself an apostle. A true evangelist is not going to say, hey, look, I'm an evangelist. <laughs> and there is a difference between the function, and that's what these were. They were functions in the body of Christ and creating some kind of an office that has some kind of official authority to it. And that's just a whole nother discussion. But I would encourage anybody who is interested in seeing the difference between how the ministries, particularly the ministries of apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher, how they operated in the first century, what they were in the first century versus what they became later on and what they are today. Yeah. And, and I guess it's okay for somebody that's recognizing, you know, as they're, you know, I, I like some of the, some of the writings that you have that puts words to things honestly reminded me of being a YWAMer uh, growing up on the missions field. You, you broke it down in one of your books, what true leadership, true authority, you know, the Greek word it, it is, it's verbs, not nouns. They're not positions of authority. It's, it's different than what we have these ideas and we model it after the, you know, the Western businesses almost. And that's what our church has become. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. But people can read this article if they go to frankviola.org and look in the article section and you can do a search and find it. And speaking of this book, I really am enjoying it. I just love your style of writing. I've, I've, I've read some of all of whole books. I've read pieces of other books. Um, I think Pagan Christianity was in the first ones I started. But this book, I love it. In the 48 Laws of Spiritual Power, you share practical truths that will benefit every believer in a powerful and simplistic manner. In chapter 4, It Takes One to Make One, you say that the idea that the key ingredient to effective ministry is personal transformation. I just love that. I underlined it like eight times. Smacks <laughs> in the face of virtually all pastors' seminars, leadership conferences, where the emphasis is put on strategies, techniques, higher education, style, you know, smoke screens. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. uh, and, and I love that. And how can not only leaders but all believers ensure that they're more focused and working on their own character as opposed to just trying to look the part, um, you know, fix everything so it fits in a box. What does it look like to lead others out of a healthy relationship with the Lord and not just these flashy programs and infrastructures? And, you know, I, just, I was reminded of an article my dad sent me about Bill Hybels where he said after 20 years it was proven that all the programs did nothing to grow in, you know, uh, maturity. It just grew the body. It didn't grow mature believers. And uh, You know, that chapter, it takes one to make one. One of the big points I make in it is that you cannot give to others what you yourself have not experienced, at least not in a way where they're deeply impacted and changed, okay? 
So what we have today is we have a lot of preachers and pastors, and, and I know this from firsthand experience because I train leaders. I work with pastors. I work with preachers. And a lot of this is by their own confession, but they will often be hunting for sermon material Saturday night and then preach it on Sunday morning, but they themselves have never experienced what they're mm, preaching. Yeah. And so it moves from one notebook to the other. And when you do that, and it's very common, it will never get past the frontal lobe uh, into the spirit, into the heart where transformation takes place. Now, I have a, an answer to your question. I have a, a mastermind that is designed for pastors and teachers, and we spend a year together. It's mostly online, but we do have four days in person. And most of the guys who are part of it, they are pastors and teachers in their 30s and early 40s. Anyway, we focus not on what usually is focused on in pastors' conferences, leadership conferences, which is... You know, how can I get a better strategy? How can I get more people in the seats? How can I get a bigger budget? You know, how can I evangelize more individuals? What are the techniques? What are the tactics? How can I learn more in the higher education? How can I have a better style? Those are the things that are focused on in virtually all of the leadership and pastoral conferences that go on today. What we do, brother, is we deal with how do I know the Lord Jesus Christ better? How do I encounter him in a real living way? How do I learn to walk in his spirit? And there is such a difference between focusing on inner transformation opposed to outward gift. Many Christians today, including leaders, they're, they're attracted to outward gift instead of inward transformation. And the Lord is interested in inward transformation. He's interested in the inward transformation of the believer because that's really where he gets glory, and that's where real spiritual impact takes place. There's a big difference between preaching out of experience and something you have gone through yourself and yeah. you have met the Lord in that place. That's going to have greater impact than if you give the same message, you give the same words, but you have not experienced it. That's going to fall short, and it's not going to have eternal value. So that's the focus of that chapter that you mentioned in 48 Laws of Spiritual Power. And in this mastermind, if anybody's listening that has a ministry, you know, you preach or teach, you might want to check it out. Go to Ministry Mind. That's all one word. Ministry Mind, M-I-N-D, ministrymind.org. And it'll teach you about what the mastermind is. You get testimonials from the different pastors and teachers who've gone through it. Definitely read some of the, some of the men were, you know, just imp it, it was an eye-opening experience for them and a heart-transforming experience to, to, yeah, walk with you, especially those four days where you guys were in person. They loved that. But just the weekly um, time they spent together, they said it really uh, impacted their ministry a lot. What we do is we learn how to experience Christ in some very novel, creative ways that go beyond, you know, pray and read your Bible, which is the typical prescription that's given to us when we ask anything that's practical. And one of the things that I would say to anybody who's interested in your question about how do we lead others, what does it look like to lead others into a healthy relationship with the Lord, is ask this question. Paul said in Galatians 2.20, it is not I who lives, but it is Christ who lives in me. 
Okay, Paul was talking about living by the indwelling life of Christ. Jesus Christ dwells in every true believer by the Spirit. Paul says, I live by his life. It is not I, but Christ who lives through me. Paul said in Philippians, to live is Christ. So I would ask this question, and this is at the heart of discipleship. Real discipleship is learning how to live by the indwelling life of Christ. If you're someone who wants to know how to do that, and most Christians do not, if you ask them, how practically do I live by Christ, so it's not me living, it's Christ living, most of them will not be able to give an answer to that question out of experience. And that's true for pastors and teachers, brother. Ask someone who you look up to and respect that question. If they cannot say to you, I know exactly how to do that, and I can share with you from my experience how to do it, but I would move on to the next person, okay? Yeah. And I'm giving you my own testimony because as a young Christian in my 20s, I had that very question and I searched and searched and searched and eventually I found the answer to it and I created a whole course. It's called Living by the Indwelling Life of Christ <laughs> that many, many thousands of people have taken. It's online. But I did that because to me, brother, that's the heart of discipleship. It's the heart of the Christian life. It's to live Christ. It's to have Christ live through you, through me, rather than us living our own life. And so, anyway, that's what it looks like, brother. It looks like teaching people how to live by Christ because the one who's teaching it has already done it. And we're learning that together. And we focus on that in the ministry mind, uh, mastermind as well. Yeah, I really like that. And it's kind of been a theme on this podcast. I'm, I'm 41 years old, so I'm your, I'm your target market for that, it sounds <laughs> like. You know, I went through YWAM. I, my parents were on staff as a, as a kid, Youth with a Mission. And you know, their motto is to know God and to make him known. And when I was in my early 20s and I went through DTS, you know, I had just come back from living in the world and being wild. And I wish I had put more focus on that to know God, because at that age, everybody wants to go make him known and travel right. the world and doing right. physical labor and loving on people and holding kids in orphanages. That's all great. And the Lord uses it. But you know, it took me 20 years of growth and inner healing and development to really realize that that was the key was right there to know him. So, right, yeah, brother. It's, uh, Amen. It's really good. Well, I, the next chapter, I, I just like that one too because some of this is just small practical stuff. Um, and, and being in missions and traveled the world, I have met, you know, some, some different uh, celebrity ministers and pastors and it's amazing how some of them are just so genuine and humble and loving but unfortunately even in the christian world some of them are unapproachable and you know and 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 you um chapter five says detest cele celebritism i can't even say it celebrity yes. you outline how important it is for leaders to remain approachable even to the point where they should have at least one avenue where people get can get in touch with them directly. I know you said maybe they have an assistant, you know, go through mm -hmm. emails, but they should yep. have one, one way. Yes. I, I honestly have to admit over the years, um, I think since 10 years ago, I have had the opportunity to email you about an article or a question, um, something through Facebook messenger, uh, definitely your email from your website. And to my surprise, you responded and always pointed me in the right direction. Um, why mm. is it so important? And why should leaders be approachable, especially by those who they're leading? Because some churches, you can't even get a hold of the pastor that's leading you. <laughs> yes, uh, absolutely. Well, I think one of the big reasons is that when you have put yourself, and I'm speaking you in general, I'm talking to leaders, in the position of a celebrity. And what that means is nobody can approach you. You're not accessible. 
okay? Not even to your peers, which unfortunately is, is the case in many cases. You, brother or sister, have an inflated view of yourself. Your ego has not gone to the cross. And if Jesus Christ can be approachable <laughs> and you can't, you know, to put yourself on the level of a Taylor Swift or a Johnny Depp where people cannot get to you, something is wrong. It's unfortunate because many of the Lord's people, they don't pay attention to this. They don't really care about it. But I notice, and I'm someone who is in leadership and have best-selling books and speak in conferences, and I know a lot, of, a lot of my peers, and many of them are approachable and they're accessible, and I have great respect for them because they get this. But there's some who are not, and they're my own peers, and brother, I can't even reach them. <laughs> they have handlers, okay, that put these walls up, and even their peers can't get to them. And so it's, it's in the drinking water of the Christian world, this, this culture of celebrity. And what it also does is it invites the Lord's people to idolize human beings yeah. and to put them in a position of worship. Even though they may not say they're doing that, their actions are very much aligned with worshiping a human being. So those are just some of the reasons why it's so dangerous. And in that chapter, I excoriate the celebrity culture in the Christian world. I'm speaking to all of the Lord's people, but especially to people who are going to take the helm of ministry or they're in ministry. And it's kind of a sharp rebuke that, hey, you know, you're not Tom Cruise, okay? Uh, <laughs> lower yourself a little bit here and make yourself accessible. Now, of course, somebody hearing this may say, oh, well, now I'm going to slam this person with multiple emails, and they're a little off mentally, okay? And I think that's one of the reasons why some people insulate themselves so much is because there are crazy people in the body of Christ, but that's still not an excuse right. to be approachable, especially to your peers. You know, you are, you are definitely in, in media and social media and you know, mm -hmm. multiple podcasts at this point. Um, I was thinking about it when I, when I was thinking of questions to ask you, and these next two are kind of similar, but mm. um, what role do you believe Christian literature and podcasts play in fostering a deeper understanding of faith and spirituality in today's world? Well, the question really hangs on the quality of the resource, okay? So there's two things going on here. The vast majority of what is available on podcasts, YouTube, and in your social media and your websites, etc., it is shallow. It's shallow. Mm. It's either aimed at the frontal lobe, which means it's very mindy and intellectual, or it's aimed at the emotions. And it causes people to chase after emotional experiences or signs and wonders, or those sorts of things. And in both cases, the Lord Jesus Christ and a deeper walk with him that's real, vibrant, and living, where transformation of the Spirit, okay, is really taking place, that is very rare even today. Mm -hmm. And so a lot, of, a lot of what's happening with social media is, and I'm, I'm talking about my peers now, okay, the big ministries that have huge followings on social media, brother, they are paying hundreds of thousands of dollars in ads. That's how they're getting it, all right? They're getting the likes, they're getting the follows. They're spending an obscene amount of money on that. 
that's okay. That's their prerogative if they want to do that with donations that are given to them. I've taken a different path. And what that means is voices like mine, we're not going to have those huge numbers because I don't want to make Elon Musk rich. I don't want to make Mark Zuckerberg rich. Okay, yeah. I'm not going to pay a penny on advertising, but I'll tell you what. The Lord knows the hungry and the thirsty, the people who say in their heart, there's got to be more than this. There has to be. And they're the ones that find my work. And even though I don't have these big numbers only because I'm not paying this kind of money for it, the ads, the Lord connects people. And if you have a hungry and thirsty believer who's been through all of it, you know, they've been a part of this movement. They were part of that movement. They went to this training. They went to this conference. They followed this guy. They followed this woman. And they're at the point now where they say, wait a minute, I haven't really changed. <laughs> I still have the same struggles. I don't really know the Lord that well. I mean, I can say I do, but really, I don't. I'm hungry and thirsty for him, not things about him, but for him. The Lord will direct those people to those who are out there. The other side of it is the people who are producing the deeper Christian life material, the stuff that's deeper, that goes beyond the intellect and the emotions, but goes right to the spirit and that presents the riches of Jesus Christ in profound, captivating ways. They have to be on there. And that's why, you know, I do have two podcasts. That's why I do have a blog. I write every Thursday a fresh article. That's why I do have books. I'm on there, and those who are part of my tribe, they are as well. But we have intentionally made the decision that we're not going to go down the road of being a celebrity. Right. And I've avoided that intentionally by doing a number of things. Like, I don't have a Facebook fan page. That was an intentional decision. I don't go on video, which all of my peers do. And I made some decisions that are unconventional. But God has seen to bless that and bring the kind of people who are hungry and thirsty into my world. Mm. And so we learn from one another. Well, I guess you kind of answered the last question. But um, in this rapidly changing cultural landscape, how do you see the future of Christian communication? communication evolving and how do you plan to adapt your work to continue engaging with your audience effectively which you may have just answered you know this is a question about foresight and we're living in a world that's so rapidly changing and i think right now you know the major social media outlets are youtube tiktok instagram facebook and twitter and by the time people hear this five years from now they're probably going to be rebrandings of those particular outlets as well (laughs) yeah no Um, twitter is x facebook's meta yep and meta yeah and so by the time you know five (laughs) years from now it'll be different so now there's a new thing called threads which i have an account on but i don't use it there's zero followers intentionally so every time somebody tries to follow me i (laughs) decline because i'm not on it and i have a note in my profile that says i'm not using this i chose not to use it but there may come and i hope there is here's what i'm hoping for I'm hoping that there's going to emerge a social media platform that's new, but that will attract people between the ages of 21 and 45, but it's not based on short videos or photos, okay? Because right now, the majority of of people in that age range, and those are my readers, okay? The majority of my readers, the people who consume my two podcasts, Christ is All, in the Insurgents podcast, the people who read the books, the people who are on the blog, 
get the emails every Thursday from frankvola.org, they're between the ages of 20 and 45. That's a majority of them. Now, there's some older and there's some younger, okay? But I'm talking about like the, the size. Yeah, your demographic. The demographic to target. It was a primary. Okay, now, the majority of those people, though, are on TikTok. Majority of those people are on Instagram. Some are on Twitter. Not that many. Not that many are on Facebook, uh, maybe in the 40s. But the visibility of, say, Facebook is horrible. And then, you know, I'm not somebody who does these short little videos like others do, you know, the trailers, so to speak. And I'm not photo dominant. So basically what I do is I put out articles and I put out podcast episodes that are robust, meaty, and on I YouTube. Like so we need a platform. I'm looking for a platform that many of, of my target audience is on it, but it's not just driven by photos and short videos. Mm. And so I'm looking for that. I don't know if that's ever going to happen, but my eye is on it. Because even though I have this huge audience of the demographic between 21 and 45, which is the next generation, and that's what my eye is on, it's important that that age group share with one another. And if yeah. you don't have, if you're not spending, you know, an obscene amount of money on ads and so forth, then it's going to have to come directly from the Lord and from those who consume your content to share it. Well, like we're on this show, I'm sure you have people in that audience, really that age range right here. So this is a way that they'll get exposed to it. And if there's something in their heart that says, there's got to be more than this, I really want the Lord more yeah, than I have really him now, then, then I'm speaking their language. Been, people right. are hungry for more than a little five-minute blip or a little yep. one-minute video on, uh, on Reels. So... Frank, I do just want to thank you for coming on. It was such an honor. Hey, guys, this is a postscript just before you head out and we part ways. I have created a bundle of free resources. This would include my other podcasts, the YouTube channel, several free ebooks, free seminars, and other free resources. And you can find all of that at frankviola.com. And if you go to frankviola.com, you will see in the top menu a link that says free stuff. You just click on that and you will be taken to the free resources page. Also, a number of you have asked if you could donate to help defray the costs of the podcasts and also to express appreciation for the value that you've been receiving. You're under no obligation to donate. I don't ask for donations, but should you have it on your heart to do so, you can go to frankviola.us. That's frankviola.us. And that will take you to a donate page. There's three different options you can use to donate all of them simple thank you very much and god bless